The GameCube's Cool Podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of April. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Tristan Pantorado, Wilshire, White Wind Wolf L, Kara Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, and Bendit Obento. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. story about the school in Sudbury, Mike, where uh, Big the Cat can't go within 100 yards of, uh, of the property. Oh, 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 we're live, Neil. Oh, uh, oh, good story, though. Yeah, great story. Thank you so much, Mike, for joining me today. You have an interesting note here in our opening topic document here. You say that you don't trust people who don't have lingering or random pains. Mike, explain yourself. That's right, Neil. So this is this is where I'm coming from with this. I, I, saw, I saw a good meme as people mm. do, that was uh, showing a bunch of consoles on a um, on a chart, and they're all like N sixty four. GameCube was on there, Genesis was on there, and uh, the 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 caption was "Enjoy your one ibuprofen for your back today." And uh, <laughs> I laughed. I was like, "Yeah, that's relatable for sure." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the people who grew up with those consoles, and I sent it around to lots of people, and everyone had a good laugh. And I sent it to one person. And they didn't get it at all. And I was like, oh, like, like why didn't you get it? It's like, well, I don't, like, I don't have any pain ever. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And then that just kind of got me questioning, like, how, how do you not have any kind of pain? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's not like I have chronic pain or anything, but I have a, you know, dislocated shoulder that hurts every now and then. I have an ankle that's always messed up from playing hockey. Uh, my knees always hurt from I crack <laughs> all the time. Like, my wrists are all messed up. So... Uh-huh. I have all these small, weird pains that I I, I figured everyone does. Uh, and uh, yeah, that kind of just got me questioning. I'm like, oh, I don't really trust you if you don't have any of these pains because, like, <laughs> one, you're lying. <laughs> or two, like, have you just never gone outside or done anything in your life? Well, that's the thing when you said that you don't trust anybody that doesn't have a lingering pain. Like, I... I, I think I fall into the camp where I don't. I, I got I understood the joke right away because I know a lot of people that do have back pain and friends of ours who have ha- have had injuries over the years. Like I lift weights and I'm a runner. Like I, I know people who have, you know, screwed their lower back up doing a deadlift or a bench press or something the wrong way. And I totally get that. But and I've needed a heating blanket every so often. I've used Rub A535. I've needed to ice my knees. Yeah. So I, I, I do experience a lot of exercise related pain, but nothing like that. I've never had an injury like like you dislocated your shoulder a few years ago. And that was brutal. Mm-hmm. Tap wood. Like I've never had any serious injury over the years. I've had a few broken. I've had a broken wrist. I've had chipped teeth. But like none of it is overly like. There's no lingering pain from that. The only lingering pain I can think of is I have a. I have a. I got a cut when I worked in the deli in the grocery store, and it didn't heal right. I probably should have got stitches. So like half of one of my pinkies is always numb. Okay. Um, see, but that counts. That counts as like I guess, you know. Like, yeah. There's. 
and not not only that, but also the the exercise like like pains mm. and stuff like that. It's just like random pains, honestly, yeah. that you'll get. And I'm not necessarily saying only lingering or chronic pains. <laughs> just like you know, everyone kind of gets like the oh we're old, everything hurts. It's like yeah, yeah. I understand <laughs> that part. I understood like the whole like we're old, everything hurts now. Like I'm a little more tired than I used to yeah. be, so I definitely understood the joke. But <laughs> yeah, like if you don't have if you've never experienced like if you've never needed a heating blanket at all in your life, like you could you clearly haven't tried hard enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, like, exactly. What what do you do all day? Like, do you live like underwater? Like, you don't have any. You're so you're so sheltered. I don't know, but yeah, that that's a very good point. I don't know. I I don't think I've ever met anybody that's never had an injury or anything other than that person. Yeah, exactly. So I hope a lot of people right now are kind of nodding along. Like, yes, yes. Mm. <laughs> send us send us your pains. We'll we'll talk about them on the podcast. But they're uh, nodding along unless they have uh, neck pain. But yeah, <laughs> nice nice one. <laughs> a lot of recent news in the in the in the world this week, Mike. Let's start with uh, the video game related news. Uh, Breath of the Wild 2 got delayed. Uh, I, I, I yep. wasn't surprised by this. Were you? No. Yep. Absolutely no surprise there. Uh, <laughs> just going to hurt Nintendo a lot because mm. I don't know what they are going to put out for holiday release for 2022. Well, they announced they announced a new Pokemon game, didn't they? Is that is that not coming out this year? The ninth generation of Pokemon? That could be. Uh, I don't think yeah. that's... I mean, uh, who am I to say? I, I was going to say I don't think that's going to sell insanely well because uh, Arceus is already out. But uh, uh, honestly, now that I just said that, I'm totally wrong. It's going to sell like Gangbusters <laughs> for sure. I was going to say, what evidence do you have that a new Pokemon <laughs> game won't sell well? I think this year they, they have Arceus yeah. already in the bank and then they're going to have this new two Pokemon on games technically because they always release two uh and then of course they'll always have mario kart with the new dlc i hope strikers does well but i think the new holiday game this year will be uh pokemon Mm -hmm. and honestly zelda as a spring game which is what they've said spring 2023 kind of hoping it's march 3rd of next year that would be really nice six year Uh, anniversary yeah six year anniversary it's on the exact same day as breath of the wild one came out uh i'm okay with zelda being a spring game it feels like a game that i'd want to play in like really around this time. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I'm fine with it. I just, um, yeah, it just kind of hurts because I'm like, just just give me, give me a title, give me anything at this I know. point. Uh, and and then you know you look at Breath of the Wild, but you also look at all the other things that Nintendo has that are just seemingly waiting to be right. released that haven't been. You know, think of uh, the Metroid. You know. Metro Prime 4, mm-hmm. any, anything F-Zero ever. Like, there's Pikmin. so much stuff. Don, Pikmin, yeah. Donkey Kong, yeah. a new Mario Odyssey. Uh, the new Mario Kart is now DLC, so I guess we have that. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's um, there's a lot of waiting for mm-hmm. Nintendo right now, and uh, their stock has actually gone down quite a bit after that announcement, so should be an interesting next year for them. We'll see how they do. Yeah, I'm excited to cover it, and we will get to witness it all firsthand. And the second bit of news for the week is a, a sad, a sad news segment that we just heard about uh, just today, actually. Estelle Harris, the uh, the actress that Mike and I both love for her work on Seinfeld and Toy Story, and she's on various TV shows and movies, unfortunately passed away very, very suddenly and unfortunately. So uh, we were really saddened by that. We don't usually talk about deaths on this podcast unless, pretty much unless it has to do with Seinfeld actors, actually. But still, like, it, it is like a little bit of, like a piece of your childhood dies. Yeah. Like, it's on the same level for me as if a Star Wars actor died. Yeah, and Estelle Harris, she's just such a delight, such an amazing actress, uh, and yeah, obviously playing 
uh, Estelle Costanza on on Seinfeld, just like the mm-hmm. perfect mother. Like, oh my god, it's so well done and so oh relatable god. for so many yes. so many people. Uh, she's in Toy Story as Mrs. Potato Head, uh, who's just uh, and she's so well done in that one too. Same mm-hmm. kind of voice that she uses as she does with the. Uh, oh, it's iconic, dude. That voice, that so that like shrill wail, like complaining. What are you doing? Just, yeah. <laughs> Such a good. I like, have no eye for fashion. <laughs> George likes the bananas. <laughs> Oh, man. It's so well, and Jerry Stiller, of course, who plays George's dad, mm-hmm. uh, passed away last year. So uh, yeah. that was really sad to see too. But yeah, Estelle was also in um, for younger viewers, uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yeah, she played the uh, hotel maid. I think was her role in the in the show, and mm-hmm. she was very similar to basically like if Estelle Harris had like a part time job. That's kind of what I imagined <laughs> her being in the, the Sweet Life is like she had to go back to work because one of Frank's harebrained schemes went wrong, and she had to <laughs> yeah. work in this hotel, and that was like, that really was funny. her story. <laughs> But yeah, she's. Uh, I'm gonna really miss her. I haven't seen her in much recently. But uh, rest in peace. We're really sad about that news. Um, I guess we'll have to try and bring the uh, the mood back up again. So a little bit of positive news to do with our podcast, Mike. We hit fifty thousand downloads uh, just last week or a couple weeks ago now. So congratulations to you. We've we've done a really good job in the last almost two years of podcasting, and uh, we're really looking forward to another fifty thousand more. Fifty thousand downloads is crazy. If you told me. Uh, I guess almost two years ago that we would have 50,000 downloads at all ever. <laughs> I would just be like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So <laughs> like I figured 50,000 downloads would be when we're like 80 years old and people are still <laughs> downloading the podcast. But yeah, thank you so much to everyone who's listened, who's downloaded, who's uh, uh, sent uh, mailbags in, who's, you know, just, just uh, promoted the podcast at all too. We, we, really appreciate it we can't believe we get to do this uh, every week it's so much fun and uh yeah no extremely appreciative and we'll see you at 100k hopefully yeah we'll probably keep our download numbers quiet for the next 50,000 just because I I find it annoying at least when like podcasts constantly share it so I like to try and we space it out a little bit we were super proud of our first thousand downloads I remember that and we did 10 and then I think 25 and now 50 so we'll wait until it doubles again so yeah yeah, we're gonna keep up with this podcast for uh, every week of course so we're looking forward to 50,000 more like I said thank you so much for the support and speaking of support, we are coming up on our 100th episode, and uh, as part of our opening, uh, I guess, first half of that episode, actually, we have an idea, and we want to, we need your help. What we want to do is we want to come up with an official GameCube was Cool podcast list of the top 100 Nintendo video games of all time, so we need you, the listener's help. Uh, if you could send us an, a message on Instagram, Patreon, Discord, Facebook, wherever you follow us on social media, we're asking that you send us a list of your top 30 Nintendo developed or published video games of all time. Now, if you're sitting in your car thinking, I've only played 10 or 20 Nintendo games, that's great. Send us your list of 10 or 20 games. We'll rank them all the exact same way. Basically, what's going to happen is that your number one game will be given 30 points and your 30th game will be given one point. We're going to tally up all the numbers and then hopefully come up with a list of 100 Nintendo video games of all time. And we're going to go through that in our 100th episode coming up in two months. Yeah, and and honestly, if you just want to send us your favorite Nintendo game mm-hmm. or or favorite uh, one, two, five, we'll take anything you got. Yeah. So if you got a love, a lot of love for something like Devil's Third on Wii U, and you think that's the number <laughs> one Nintendo published game of all time, send that in to us, and uh, we will read it on the show. And we do get, we are going to retain the right to veto uh, some votes. <laughs> like if you're clearly trying to skew the the poll, then we will cast it out. Or if you send us a game that's clearly not a Nintendo published or developed game, we'll just count that one out. Uh, so yeah, I don't want to see any Star Fox Zeros on that list or anything. We want like an honest list. We want your best games, and uh, you know, feel free to go into some obscure games. 
games. We want to hear. We want to mm-hmm. hear it. And we want to get 100 unique games, obviously. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And we will make a reference to this for the next eight weeks. And uh, we look forward to what the list will become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're really excited about that. But, uh, Neil, uh, speaking of writing into us, we do have a Patreon topic today. We do. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. We have a $1 and a $5 a month tier. Uh, supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits at the beginning of the episode and the option to submit an opening topic, just like Dean Donian did today. And, Mike, Dean Donian wants to know, with April coming up, it's technically April now, but that's fine. Do you guys have a favorite album from the first few months of 2022? I think my favorite so far is Aftermath by Belmont. Cheers. Mm, very nice. Belmont, great band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we got lots. Neil, you want to go first? I definitely do. I'm going to start off with an EP, uh, not so much an album. This is just a short EP from the band Mom Jeans. They're kind of like an indie, mm-hmm. I guess, Midwestern emo band. I kind of consider them like the the substitute for modern baseball one of my favorite bands from college that kind of went they disbanded unfortunately back in 2017 and that's around the time that mom jeans were getting popular and they kind of took that i think they kind of took that fan base with like the whole kind of depressed stoner music i guess you would call it (laughs) but uh, they have a new ep called sweet tooth came out earlier this year and i absolutely adore it my favorite track off that one is graduating life a uh, mm. really good song. I listen to that album or that EP every so often. Just a chill thing to listen to when you're playing a game. And uh, that's my first number one EP or album of the year so far. Mike, what do you have for me? Well, I got to say uh, the new Pup album is by far the best thing that's come out mm-hmm. this year. Pup, uh, the band, uh, they are from Toronto, punk band. Mm-hmm. Neil and I love them. Seen them a bunch of times. And yeah, they uh, they just put a, an album out called uh, The Unraveling of Pup the Band and yeah, it's amazing. It's my favorite album this year, and we'll probably win Best Album of the Year in uh, in the Mike Awards. I think so, too. You started right at the top with your number one album. That, that's Sorry. really good. I, I, that's okay. That was going to be my favorite album of the year so far, too. So I'll talk about it right here. We've been getting singles from Pup for the last couple of months. I think there's five, there were five or six on Spotify before the album finally dropped, and every single one of those singles were bangers, so I knew that the album was going to be good. I was kind of worried that they were... I get really worried when bands put out a lot of singles because I just feel like at that point, I feel like I've listened to half the album already. But what Pup did, which was brilliant, was that they didn't release their interludes, which make the album so great for me. There's three or four piano songs on the album, and they're all terrific. They're all done by, I think, (laughs) Stefan the singer, and he learned to play piano, and he made his own little interludes there. And they just make the album so special and something that they'd never done before. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed them all. Like, I was texting Mike when the album came out, like, dude, these interludes are so good. My favorite, (laughs) like, interludes. Oh, I love a good interlude. My favorite, like, traditional Pup song off the album is Totally Fine. That's just such Same. a that's such a mosh song, dude. I can't oh wait to hear God. that song live. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna hit some people hard, <laughs> dude. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild. I'm gonna have to take my mask off for that one. But yeah, Pup, the unraveling of Pup the band, great album of the year so far. Going back a little bit though to another band from Toronto is Billy Talent's Crisis of Faith came out earlier this year. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting for that album since early 2020. I think that this was definitely an album that was uh, delayed due to COVID. Uh, they had singles coming out before before the pandemic even happened. 
uh, and they were all really good, like Reckless Paradise, uh, Things Will Get Better, The Forgiveness Part 1 and 2 is a terrific Billy Talent song. Oh, yeah. Uh, the album finally came out, and it's it's all really good. I really like The Wolf, and Hanging Around with All the Wrong People is a really good song. We just saw Billy Talent, actually, the day that this episode comes out. We will have seen them last night. It's our first time seeing them, so I'm sure that show's going to be It's too- your first time seeing them. Oh, sorry. I've seen them before. <laughs> sorry, Mike. Yeah, I forgot you had already seen them. It's my first time seeing them. I've been a fan of Billy Talent for 20 years now, so I'm really excited to finally be seeing them playing mm-hmm. i'm sure a lot of songs off the new album and hopefully some stuff off their old stuff but mike with that what's uh what's another album that you've enjoyed this year so far uh just a couple more here uh there's a new spoon album if you remember spoon from back in the day they do oh, have yeah. a new album out that's quite good actually uh it's definitely worth a listen they're touring too in toronto with interpol i think mm. and metric so a pretty good lineup uh i i'm mad at the artist mitski because she said that she was quitting music in 2018 and then came back this year because she's big on TikTok now. Oh. And she's like, I'll take the money, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the album that she put out is very good. So uh, I'm not mad at her anymore. So she's uh, <laughs> she's out of the doghouse in that one. Great album by Mitski. Big Thief has a new double album that just came out. No one does double albums anymore. No. And I'm a big fan of double albums. So they, they actually crushed it with that one. And I'm still looking forward to Father John Misty's new album that's coming out uh, probably pretty soon. Sweet. I have one more album for the year that I've been enjoying so far, and that's Avril Lavigne's new album, Love Sucks. Oh, same. Yeah, that one came out about a month ago, I believe, at the time of recording this. I forget now, but uh, really good. Kind of a return to form for her. Much more pop punk, very heavy guitars and drums, and just like a fun album. Like, none of the songs are going to blow your mind or anything, but uh, the single off the album, Bite Me, was really good. That came out late last year. And then Cannonball is a really good opening track. Just gets the album started with a bang. I'm going to be seeing her next month as well in May in Toronto, so really excited for that. Also been a fan of her for the better part of 20 years. Really happy to see pop punk making a revival. This is a great time to be me. Oh, <laughs> I've been defending pop punk for a long time, Neil, mm. and we're finally, now we've been ready to take up arms, and uh, yep. and pop punk's here again. Pop punk's here, it's back, and it's all the classic bands coming out with uh, new albums to look forward to this year for me. Simple Plan is coming out with an album on May 6th, I'm excited for that. Mike, you mentioned double albums, how bands don't do them much anymore. Some 41 are coming out with a double album this year. Ooh. Heaven and Hell, so Heaven is going to be a pop punk album, and then Hell is going to be a metal album. So, oh, sick. dude, I'm so excited for that. Like, my, I love Some 41, and they do have like they really do have two sounds to them because some of their albums and songs are more pop punk based like they're all killer no filler or underclass hero and then they have their metal albums like 13 voices or chuck a album that you and i both like mike so i'm excited to hear that they're coming out with two of those this year so that's going to be great uh, another mm-hmm. toronto band pew 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 coming out with an album in may that's going to be really good local guys can't wait to hear that And then finally, my favorite band, The Wonder Years, are coming out with an album later on this year as well. We saw them play in London last month, so can't wait for some new material from them. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really excited this year for just music in general. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for writing in. Uh, and I hope you get to uh, see Belmont soon when they come to your town. Yeah, Belmont's a great band too, just going back to that one. Uh, I like them. I listen to them a lot when I'm in the gym. They're really heavy, mm-hmm. good stuff. This episode of the GameCube is Cool podcast was brought to you by Manscaped.com. Fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle 5 in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE. As we finally get ready to go back to the beach like Mario did in Super Mario Sunshine, you'll want to take stock in how your shaving routine dipped over the winter. 
Manscaped has a full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did I mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool, equipped with an LED light so you know it'll be a major asset in the new shower routine. Clean your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provide proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate, ever so delicate holes. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the Lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, so wrong. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men age 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Smell oh so fresh and so clean this spring and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. It's time to throw your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Now, back to the podcast. That's enough talk about music, Mike. Let's talk about some video games. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 92 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 416 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. And Big the Cat. He helped a little bit. Oh, Big the Cat. Nice. He's learning code too. That's good to see. <laughs> last week, we talked about Prince of Persia, Tomb Raider, and Pitfall. I think that was last week. The, uh, the, time, the timing on everything right now is very messed up for me. Timeline's messy. The timeline is very messy, but we successfully fixed the GameCube was cool timeline. We retconned uh, it. Yeah, we retconned <laughs> <laughs> Much like the Marvel Universe, we retconned anything that goes wrong. Man, April Fool's is such a mess for us, but uh, we definitely did a good job last week. Mike, hats off to you. Uh, good job on the editing and everything. This week, we are covering Sonic Heroes and Shadow the Hedgehog to celebrate the release of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, now in theaters. These are the last Sonic games that we will be covering in the podcast, Mike, so uh, I could not be more thrilled. You say that now, Neil, but uh, it, uh, it could still happen. We might still talk about Sonic in this podcast at some point, oh, so no. stay tuned for that. <laughs> Neil, will be, Neil will leave the show at that point. Yeah, I will definitely have to leave the show. If we become a Sonic-centered podcast, I'll have to retire at that point. But we have a couple of callers and friends joining us today, Mike, to share their stories about Sonic, their memories and facts about the games. But before we do, let's talk about our memories of Sonic, which we probably have already done before on this podcast. But we'll, we'll just rehash it, talk about Sonic in general. What are your memories of Sonic from back in the day? Well, uh, Neil, I owned Sonic Heroes back in the day, which we're going to talk about on this podcast today. And that was the first entry for me really into the Sonic universe. I knew about Sonic, you know, mm -hmm. culturally. I knew that he existed. Uh, I knew those games were for Genesis and and, and that. And uh, But I never had a Sega console. Uh, you know, we the only console we probably would have had was Dreamcast, and well, that went away. Yeah. So I never really had a lot of 
um, a lot of experience with Sonic in that world. We were Nintendo kids. We played Mario. So right. was, that's kind of how it was. But yeah, Sonic Heroes kind of really opened up a big door for me for just Sonic games in general. I went back and played all the originals. Loved them so much. I ended up playing a couple of other Sonic games. Some were good. Some weren't. <laughs> the adventure <laughs> games are honestly really, really fun, especially on GameCube. Uh, I think they play really well on there. And just want to quickly go over the franchise. You know, we have early Sonic, Sonic 1, 2, and 3 coming out in 91, 92, 94. We got Sonic and Knuckles in 94. Then we kind of went 3D Sonic with Sonic Adventure and Adventure 2, which were eventually ported to GameCube from Dreamcast. Sonic Heroes, what we're going to talk about today in 2004. Then things started to go wrong with Sonic the Hedgehog in 2006 as getting a full <laughs> reboot, which is just an awful game. Uh, Secret Rings specifically for the Wii. This was the, a point where they had to make specific Wii games and specific games for Xbox and PlayStation 3. At the time, just not a not a great idea. Sonic Unleashed, we got Sonic 4, which was a return to the 2D franchise. We got Sonic Colors, which most people consider is the, the best of these games at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, Generations in 2011. And then we uh, get Sonic Forces, which just bombs. And we do get Sonic Mania, published by Sega, but not developed by a Sonic team. Developed by basically fans right. of the old Sonic games. Uh, and now we're going to be getting Sonic Frontiers, maybe in 2022. Yeah, we'll see. That game, uh, it might do. It might be the Breath of the Wild of the year, Mike, that we were waiting for and not getting. So maybe Sonic looks Frontiers like it. will. Yeah, it does. <laughs> maybe it'll take uh, some of the wind out of that sail. I doubt it. That is a joke. <laughs> my, my my history with Sonic is a little different than yours. Although mm -hmm. I do definitely remember Sonic being it's just part of the culture. Like as kids, you had Mario kids and you had Sonic kids. Like people had Sonic on their lunchboxes yep. and on T-shirts. That's always been a thing. It still is. I still see kids with Sonic. Sonic gear on their on their shirts and backpacks and whatnot, which is great to see. It's it's good to see this character that's over thirty years old at this point, uh, still somewhat relevant. Uh, my only touchstone with the games, though, as a kid, was the McDonald's toys that we got. Uh, those oh, little yeah. kind of Tiger Electronic style games that just were black and white and they beeped and just a very basic, usually an endless runner kind of game was what those what those games were. That was all I really had to to go by with Sonic since I had the SNES and the N sixty four and. The GameCube, obviously, but I never got any of the GameCube games, never rented any of them. Sonic, to me, just didn't look like what I wanted to play. I never really was a huge fan of the character or the world or yeah. any of the side characters. I just thought it looked looked juvenile. Even though Sonic was meant to be the edgy, uh, edgy version of Mario, he always looked like he was a juvenile version of Mario. I always thought he was something for, like, the younger generation. It's kind of funny how I, I, I had the opposite perspective of what marketing... Uh, executives wanted me to think about about <laughs> Sonic, which is really funny. Something that people might not know about Sonic, though, is that the, Sonic was actually featured in a video game before his his very own game. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a 1991 game uh, called Rad Mobile, and there's in it's a racing game, obviously like a race car driving game, and. Hanging from your rear view mirror is a little Sonic the Hedgehog kind of bobble toy. Uh, and that's like the first time that you ever see Sonic in a video game. It was released in February 1991, and it was basically teasing the Sonic the Hedgehog video game, which was coming out in June that exact same year. So Sonic, while not a playable character in that game, is featured in this racing game, Rad Mobile, uh, before the game Sonic the Hedgehog was released in for the Genesis and the Mega Drive in, in 1991. But since then, since that day back in 1991, the series has gone on to sell over 80 million copies worldwide across... Mike, I think I have this right. There are 93 Sonic games or games featuring Sonic. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not honestly surprising because Sonic 
there are so you know i just listed out the mainline games there uh yeah. earlier like that those are just a couple basically yeah. of the games there are tons and tons of spin-offs oh my god that sonic has uh i can't even begin to name them all and of course one of the spin-offs is shadow the hedgehog which we'll be talking about later on today but yeah uh mm-hmm. there are so many so many games and sonic is lasted as a franchise and what's funny to me is that Sonic, the games, basically died to make the movie successful. <laughs> like, yeah, like they've all kind of gone out like pawns, basically, to just kind of keep the franchise relevant and in people's minds. Like, yeah. unfortunately, it's usually, it's usually for negative reasons. Like, I remember, I think it was 2016, that Sonic Boom game, Rise of oh Lyric on Wii U, is considered one of the worst games of all time. If I see that on that 100 games of all time list on anybody's <laughs> list, I will veto your entire list if I see that. So don't try me. Um, but yeah, like, like just kind of staying relevant in the news for the wrong reasons. But some of those spinoff games are actually considered really good games like yeah. the sonic and mario at the olympic games are actually very high quality games and very fun and quite fun yeah very fun really good stuff there sonic is now in smash bros games which that counts there too and even the sonic racing games i've played a few of those and they're they're fine like they're not as good as mario kart i don't think but i can see why people would like that kind of yeah. it's almost like sonic has taken the place of the diddy kong racing uh competitor to mario kart and i can appreciate that uh that they're fun enough games they definitely um, are, and like, and hmm. Sega honestly has to got to give them a lot of credit for, uh, you know, post console, post Dreamcast. I know they have made a lot of terrible games, but they've managed to keep this this uh, this hero relevant, honestly, uh, and like mm-hmm. keeping them in the, the the popular culture. We talked about last week, or, or did we talk last week about <laughs> uh, about uh, Pitfall and just how Pitfall was this huge game in the in the eighties and nineties, and then just completely died. You know, mm-hmm. like that, uh, with a bad game on the GameCube. And obviously Tomb Raider and uh, Prince of Persia could have died that easily too. And Prince of Persia, in a way, did die. Uh, so, and again, really iconic uh, characters there. But Sonic somehow has been able to to last so long. And I mean, the fan base is a, is a huge part of it. Just a ravenous fan base for Sonic. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, these people often... We're, we're going to talk about the Sonic cycle later. But these people often like to... Uh, basically get really excited for the Sonic game that it comes out and eventually is terrible and you get excited again for the next one hoping that this is going to be the one right so yeah yeah there's the Sonic cycle which we'll talk about in a little bit when our uh, callers come on but the jump for Sonic to 3D and the jump to 3D is a was a very big deal back in the 2000s and the 90s for so many franchises we talked a lot about them I'm not going to repeat them now, but the Sonic was one of those franchises that did not make the jump to 3D very well. There were a lot of reasons for that, the main one being just so many creative indifferences on the development teams for Sega. Yeah. Sega becoming a major publisher, having their own consoles, to basically becoming a, a third-party developer for Nintendo and eventually PlayStation and Xbox. They massively cut down their uh, their development team from 100 people down to less than 20, basically. They moved mm-hmm. their entire team from Japan to America, so Sonic was unfortunate Unfortunately, the uh, basically like the uh, like a, like a child from a divorced family <laughs> yeah, kind of is <laughs> the best way to describe it. And it's funny because like the way Sonic has stayed alive, I really think of Sonic the same way I think of Weezer, the band. Okay, where, yeah, that's a good like, that's a good uh, uh, metaphor. <laughs> yeah, here's here's my thought process. Like Weezer had great opening albums. Like their first two or three albums are really good, really terrific things. And and a lot of the Weezer fans got their start there. And this is what they remember as their favorite band. 
And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, they just started to release albums that are very divisive amongst the Weezer fan base, much like the Sonic fan base. Uh, a lot of the hardcore ride-or-die Weezer fans love those love those middle albums, and a lot of the ride-or-die Sonic fans really love those middle uh, video games. And mm-hmm. then Weezer came back in the mid-2010s with some okay albums, uh, Everything Will Be Alright in the End, and the White Album being the specific one. Same thing happened with Sonic, with Sonic Colors yeah. being a really good game, and then Sonic Mania being a really good game, and then it kind of dipped back down again, but you still have those ride-or-die fans keeping keeping the franchise alive, and I think it's really funny how... I'm sure that there's other examples of that too, but I just think of Sonic and Weezer in the same breath. I don't know why. <laughs> that is really funny, because <laughs> you're absolutely right. Right. But and like Sonic Mania is a bit different because it wasn't Sega, really. Like it was uh, it was just fans making it that Sega allowed to make it. So I think mm-hmm. that's a really cool thing that Sega did that, you know, think of Nintendo. Nintendo would never let someone, you know, use their IP in that way and like, you know, go through F-Zero and make a, a, a game that actually is a licensed F-Zero game. We get fast RMX, mm-hmm. but which is great still, but Nintendo would never allow you to actually use use their proper IP where Sega was like, yeah, sure, you can use Sonic and make it, you know, make an old Sonic game. And that's what Sonic Mania is. Yeah, I really wish Nintendo would do more of that. So, first time I'm saying this, but Nintendo should follow what Sega is doing and let some of their IP out to some of these indie developers because I think it would it would end very nicely. But Mike, I gotta say, I, I, I don't think I can talk about Sonic any more than I already have today. I think I'm gonna have to have to back out of today's episode. Wow. Uh, you know what? I thought this was going to come a lot later, maybe no. when we talked about Sonic again, but this this is it for you, Neil? No, I'm done, dude. I, I can't take today. I, I'm out. I, I like the Sonic movie that came out a couple years ago. I enjoyed it. I like Chris Pine. I think that's the actor. I love Jim Carrey, but that's about all I that's about all I can handle for today. So I, I'm, I'm going to go outside and stand in the street and protest until Sonic games are canceled. Okay, well, Neil has left the show, folks. That looks like his time is done on the GameCube was cool podcast. Sonic, that, that was the, the nail in the coffin for him. So it'll just be me. But thankfully, we have a new host joining us today. He's filled in once for Neil before. I'm sure he'll do it great again. We have Enemy of the Pod, Ramon, joining us. Welcome, Ramon. Ba, 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 ba. Here I am. The ultimate life force is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, the ultimate life force is going to have a pretty short run because I think I just hear Neil coming on. But before he comes on, I'm going to read the stats for Sonic Heroes because I'm sure he does not want to read those himself. Uh, Sonic Heroes released January 6, 2004 by Sonic Team USA. It's the last game uh, that Sonic produced with this name. They eventually changed it to just Sega. Published by Sega, PS2, Xbox, Windows, that's the platform it came on. Uh, initially on GameCube, though, a couple days before, which is kind of nice to see. That rates around 6 and 7s, price $40 today, and it is a 3D platformer, which sold 3.4 million copies as of 2007. Guys, I'm back. I'm so sorry that I uh, stormed out like that. I walked out of my building. I was completely ready to just give up on video games and podcasting in general when I saw the billboard for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and I I locked eyes with Jim Carrey on that beautiful movie poster, and Jim Carrey and I had a conversation there, and he said to me, Neil, get back in there, get back on the microphone, and defend Sonic. Now, I'm not going to defend Sonic, but I will come back on the podcast and talk about Sonic, thanks to, of course, Jim Carrey, my hero. Well, you know, that's that's good to hear, Ramon. Uh, that's good to hear, Neil. And thank you, Ramon, for filling in for Neil for that brief period. You did a good job while I was gone, Ramon. I'll be waiting for my paycheck. 
<laughs> that's great. <laughs> You'll be getting our Manscaped uh, sponsor money here. But, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but Ramon, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast today to talk about Sonic and Sonic Heroes. Uh, what are your first memories of just Sonic and video games? I think everyone's played uh, probably the first game of Sonic on Sega or some kind of, you know, uh, emulator. I know that's how mm-hmm. I played it because my older cousins would have like the Sega. Um, but I never actually owned it myself. So um, I'd say I think I was amazed on how great the graphics were at the time and how visually it was very striking for a Let me just say an old person game when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, like those games, they were created basically to rival uh, Nintendo and rival those uh, those consoles and the whole idea was to almost use Sonic as a tech demo to show how fast uh, the uh, I guess it was the Mega yeah. Drive initially right Neil uh, and how fast the Mega Drive could run yeah, the Mega Drive like and the Genesis they could run games faster than the Super Nintendo could that was the whole thing was that Sonic games were meant to be more visually striking he moved faster than Mario he's more yeah, just quicker than Mario stronger and everything and that's that's really what they leaned into unfortunately the Sonic games I don't think they were as fun as the Mario games. That's where I come down on it ultimately. And the the jump to 3D was not as uh, clean as Mario's jump to 3D was. Not counting the Sonic Adventure games; those were those were decent. But once we start to get to the mid to late 2000s, that's when the 3D Sonic games really started to take take a bit of a hit. Um, the first one being that we're talking about today with Sonic Heroes. This was the first Sonic game that was specifically produced as a multi-platform game, which is interesting. We talked a lot about in our Sonic episode, mm-hmm. Sonic coming from the ground up for the Mega Drive and the Genesis, the Saturn and the Dreamcast as well. Uh, the games were eventually ported over to GameCube. Uh, they're still technically Dreamcast games at heart. This was the first one where Sega had to sit down and develop the game specifically for the PlayStation 2, the Xbox, and the GameCube separately. And it had they had their own difficulties. And Team Sega actually said that the GameCube was the easiest of the three consoles to develop for, thanks to having those Dreamcast ports that they made. They knew how the GameCube hardware worked. And as such, the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox version, I don't think that they rate as well as the GameCube version. But uh, Ramon, you played these games on the GameCube, correct? Oh, absolutely. Nice. Okay, perfect. Yeah, the PS2 one specifically, I think, does not hold up well. Right. I, one thing a lot of people, you know, if you go online and check out a lot of videos on Sonic uh, Heroes, you'll notice that a lot of people talk about the graphics being bad, the the glitchiness of it, uh, and that's mostly for the PS2 version. Do, do you remember any of that, Ramon? Because I, my copy for GameCube was always fine from what I can remember. There's one particular part with terms of glitches that I would always remember, and I think in the uh, the casino stage, occasionally mm-hmm. you'd have to like, you know, touch a switch to open doors, and you do that, and sometimes they just would not open. So I think the fix there was to reset the level, mm-hmm. which is always a pain. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not a good way <laughs> to to fix something yeah. when it's broken. Well, the the game the game was developed not so much quickly. The game was developed by. 14 people, believe it or not. The development time lasts 20 months, so Sega was really strapped for development time in this game, so I guess that they had to cut quite a few corners. They wanted this game to be a soft reboot of the series, which is interesting. They wanted to attract new gamers to the Sonic franchise. Um, Ramon, this wasn't your first Sonic experience, though, right? Did this game strike you as being a reboot to a Sonic game, or do you feel like it it was good for longtime Sonic fans as well? Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily my first uh, Sonic game, but it was probably the first one that I really enjoyed and played okay. fully. 
Um, so I'd say it was like a great introduction. Um, classic, you know, 2000 marketing. I played it first at nice. McDonald's and I had <laughs> to buy it after. <laughs> um, I'd say it was a good way to kind of reintroduce or even introduce it to a new kind of generation who are not familiar with the 2D platformers. That's that's exactly my thoughts on that too, right? Because for me, this was my first real, um, I guess, iteration of Sonic that I played and owned. Uh, and the reason I own this was because uh, I did play it at McDonald's probably at one point, but I had it because on the Mario Kart Double Dash uh, edition that I had, I had a, a bonus disc of a whole bunch of demos, and one of the demos on there was Sonic Heroes. And I played it and thought it was really fun, and so I wanted to to get it myself. So my parents got me a copy, I probably that that Christmas or my birthday or something, and for me, it was a great intro to the Sonic world. Like, it was relatively easy. It was, yeah, like you said, super bright and colorful and just, like, very linear as well. It's like, I know where to go. Just, like, send me mm-hmm. here. Let me go fast. And <laughs> the fact that I could use a whole, you know, a little, like, team. And that really appealed to me because for for me, like, when I first played Sonic games 2D, I didn't love just playing as Sonic. But with having tails and knuckles, you know, changing between the flying for tails and the kind of the, the strength and punching for knuckles and then the speed for Sonic, I thought that was a really clever way to to introduce a kid to all these different characters. And then the fact that you can play as 12 different characters technically with all the different teams. And the team mechanic, that's a new thing, right? So if yeah. that's like something that they want to expand on the world for like existing players. That might be like a fun idea. I don't know if how it was taken, but um, that would have been something to kind of, you know, bring some new life to the Sonic franchise. It was an interesting idea to have different teams for the game. There is obviously Mike mentioned Team Sonic. That's who he played as with Sonic, Miles, and Knuckles. There was the Dark Team. You can play as Shadow, Rogue the Bat, and E123 Omega. Team Rose, where you can play as Amy Rose, Cream the Rabbit, and Big the Cat. And then there's Team Chaotix, where you can play as SBO the Chameleon, Charmy B, and Vector the Crocodile. Uh, it is a good idea. Like each of the different characters, they have either um, a special ability to do with strength, speed, or flight, and you can pick different teams to play through each level. So it has kind of like a Donkey Kong 64 uh, aspect to it where you play as different characters to uh, to yeah. solve different puzzles in the level. If you need someone that's faster to get through a certain area, then you switch characters. I, I do like that mechanic in games. It kind of makes you like feel like you're in like a Pokemon game where you have to pick your Pokemon to get through a certain... Uh, like a boss fight or something, and you need those special abilities to get through. I think that that's a good idea to bring people in to the franchise. It's just interesting that as like a reboot of the series, they used all of these characters from past Sonic games that you kind of needed to know. Or did they do a good job of kind of bringing you in as a new fan? Uh, I think they did like an okay job. But I mean, I never really had many questions. I knew that the story was wacky. Like, I knew that the characters themselves were kind of weird. So I never really questioned it too much. Like, okay. I, I was just like, okay, these are other characters in, like, a Sonic game. I think of it kind of like Kirby. Okay. Mm. Like, you you don't have to know all of Kirby's allies, basically. Right. To, 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 to play a Kirby game. Like, you know, there's Kirby, there's Mennonite, there's those Wildies, and there's King Dedede. And then you'll just get, like, a random bunch of, of side characters. And you don't need to really be in their story. That's fine. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, the characters are pretty shallow in terms of, like, their backstory and everything. You can kind of get the idea after a few minutes. Ramon, did you have a favorite character? Uh, I'd like to know what you think my first team was. Were you on the the team with Big the Cat? Team Rose? Absolutely, just because of Big the Cat. Yes, I thought so. It's like, it's like that me. meme, like, F your horoscope. What team did you play as in Sonic Heroes? Basically, <laughs> one of those things. Yeah, you're a Team Rose person. Love that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of like Mike. Like, I had no idea who the characters were. Like, 
I only knew kind of Sonic culturally um, mm-hmm. with this one kid in elementary school who, uh, let's just say, was a little <laughs> very ahead of the trend on the Sonic fandom. <laughs> mm. So I knew no. I was familiar with Sonic and the main crew and Amy, but other than that, everyone was just, oh, who is this? Everyone wants to sleep with Amy. That's the the weird. Oh <laughs> is that is that the thing? Ew. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. I will say the person I'm talking about from elementary school. Uh, they also had a boyfriend, and they would call. Well, she would call them Amy and Sonic. So I kind of yeah. Get see, well, so Amy's lines. I don't know if you remember this, Ramon, but Amy's lines in this uh, in this entry are pretty cringe. She says a lot of weird stuff, but one of the things she says is. Uh, they're talking about something, and uh, and then she's like, "Yeah, Sonic, now you have no excuse not to marry me." Oh God, because <laughs> that was the I, entire I, like plot, right? They're yeah, just trying to find Sonic. Yeah, I can't stand the dialogue in Sonic games. I know that that's something that it's like a something that a lot of Sonic fans really like is the character interaction, and that it is nonsense, very Saturday morning cartoony, and that's totally fine. But for me, it's like. Man, like we talked about our we talked about this in our Pokemon episode, how it's like, man, I really wish that there was some more voice acting in Pokemon games and Mario games. And then I see a Sonic game played and it's like, oh, maybe I don't want that, you know, because like we might get this. It just feels so over the top and cringy for me to watch. I can't get over it. Like I just would prefer if they all just shut up and I could maybe, God forbid, read the dialogue boxes. Maybe that would make the game a little more uh, a little more palatable for me. Because one thing about the Sonic games that I actually do love and it includes the 3D Sonic games, and that is the the music and the theme oh song specifically. We need to talk about the theme songs right now. The oh, band yeah. Crush 40 recorded the theme songs and the soundtracks for Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, Shadow the Hedgehog, Sonic 06, Sonic and the Secret Rings, Sonic Riders, Zero Gravity, Sonic and the Black Knight, and Sonic Team Racing, and Sonic Heroes. Such a good song. Like, Sonic really cheesy. Heroes. <laughs> Make heroes. <laughs> it's such, such a good. it's such a banger i love that song in a nutshell so darn good dude <laughs> it, i can't not smile listening to sonic music and you know the opening cutscenes are always super hype and then the game for me just doesn't really f- something about the games just doesn't follow up with whatever the cutscene whatever's happening in the cutscene i don't know i don't know i just i love i love it all i i had so much fun like playing sonic heroes this week again and just having the music in the background like i it, it gets you so hyped all mm. the the soundtrack for heroes i think is is maybe the best one of of any Sonic game that I've played. Uh, I obviously haven't played that many, but um, we'll have some guests on later to to talk about different ones. But uh, yeah, Sonic Heroes, uh, the theme song is the best theme song in Sonic, in my opinion. Yeah, and they have a great, like, diverse selection of stages, I find, and, like, the music, like, custom kind of uh, music that goes per stage. So it's not just like, the same kind of loopy video game that you can expect, so... Um, even everything from like the Halloween haunted mansion to the casino, or even like the the first level, like they all have very unique sounds. That, it's true, and like one, like Neil mentioned, how they not only did the 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 actual title, but the soundtrack, like the full soundtrack as well. That's pretty rare. Like usually, a band comes in to just do you know the title track, like that's right. it, and then you you get the soundtrack done by. I don't know, someone, whoever does the soundtrack to the publisher's games, usually. That's kind of how it works. But right. the fact that they came in, did the soundtrack, and made it, like, almost motifs from the uh, from the title track, I thought that was really cool. And uh, just gives more depth to, to the entire game, even though the dialogue is awful <laughs> and everything. Yeah. But it does make it feel like more of a, a cohesive, well-done AAA game. Yeah. 
it, it is one of the main redeeming factors of the Sonic 3D era for me. Like, I, I can't get over how, like, the frame rate dips at, at weird points, and, like, the plot is total nonsense. It's just the music stands out so well. And I know that they do Sonic, like, reunion concerts, and, and like, I think the band still performs, and you Sick. can go to this band's <laughs> concerts. I would, dude, if Crush 40 ever comes to Toronto, I feel like we have to go. <laughs> I, will, I will go. I will absolutely go. I think Sonic Heroes, though, specifically... Uh, is a game, well, and just a lot of Sonic games, but Sonic Heroes specifically is a game that you really have to play rather than just, like, kind of watch yeah. it. Because watching Sonic is not fun. No. Like, it's, you don't get that experience of speed. You don't get that experience of just going around and collecting stuff and having having a good time. Uh, when you're playing it, it's such a different experience. And I, like, watching reviews this week and how polarizing it was, was really interesting. Like, some people saying... Sonic Heroes is the ultimate disappointment. Other people saying that Sonic Heroes is their favorite game from their childhood. There's mm. one really good one that probably skates the line pretty well, and it's uh, from Exo Paradigm Gamer, who argues that Heroes is actually not part of the Sonic Dark Ages, and that's what people kind of call anything past the uh, adventure games. Right. Uh, and he kind of just goes into well, basically what makes Sonic Heroes a, a playable game still, and that you could tell... The developers actually tried to make a, a, a good game at the time where the rest, specifically Sonic the Hedgehog reboot in 06, you know, that just goes down a horrible rabbit hole. Yeah, that's a completely different topic altogether. But I think that most of those negative reviews from back in the day are probably people who wanted Sonic Adventure 3, which this game was trying hard not to be. They didn't want to make Sonic Adventure 3. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what this game technically is. It's Sonic Adventures 3, but they didn't call it that, which was a good move, honestly. Like, I think if they had called this Sonic Adventures 3, it probably would have reviewed way worse. But by calling it Sonic Heroes, you're kind of introducing it as a new thing. It's not a Sonic Adventure 3. It's, it's Sonic Heroes. They never made Sonic Heroes 2, right? I'm not imagining no. that, am I? No. Yeah, okay. This is no. the only one. Fair enough. Okay. And, like, they did a really good job trying to make this, like I said earlier, a multi-platform game. They even called on Criterion Games to help uh, provide an engine to make this game. Uh, the Renderware engine, which is the same one that uh, the Burnout series uses mm -hmm. across multiple consoles. So that's what they did to get around the... Uh, the multi-platform launch that they did. And like we said, it runs way better on GameCube. And that's an objective fact. The uh, GameCube and the Xbox version runs at a clean 60 frames a second, much like the F-Zero GX game does, whereas the PS2 runs at half that, 30 frames wow. a second. So wow. I'm sure the PS2 copy is way cheaper than, uh, like Mike said, the uh, the GameCube version uh, runs at 40 bucks. I'm sure this is way cheaper on PS2, but GameCube is the place to play it. That's good. GameCube is the place to play all games, let's be honest. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Ramon, where do you see Sonic going in the future? Like, have you, for well, one, have you played any Sonic games past Sonic Heroes? And two, uh, where do you see it going in the future? You know, I, so I, I love Sonic Heroes, by the way, so I'm not sure why people were giving it negative reviews. Obviously, there's a couple issues with it. Um, but I did play Shadow the Hedgehog for a little bit after this. But beyond that, I uh, completely dropped off on Sonic content. You're, wait you're waiting for Big the Cat, a standalone game, basically, is what we're hearing. It's a difficult game because everyone wants it to be like the like Gen 1 where it's super fast, yeah. but they are introducing so many mechanics where you can't be playing it at that high speed. So it should just like, do we just want a racing game? I don't think so. But there's a balance between like, you know, keeping up the pacing of like the high speed chases or the high speed runs to like, you know, a puzzle platformer or combat system. And it's, I think it's a difficult format to, to tackle. Oh, creating a new Sonic game is mm -hmm. a really thankless job. 
because you're absolutely right. What do you do? You created these three amazing games in the 90s uh, that were, like I said, basically tech demos in a way to right. show how fast the consoles could run. And you backed yourself into a corner, Sega. You, you know, created this thing that people love, but in order to evolve it uh, in any way, people usually hate it, which is, is sad to see. And I, I find it really sad to see when people rag on heroes because, you know, for me, it was the perfect way for a 10-year-old at the time to get into Sonic again. If this didn't exist, I probably would have never played Sonic at all. Like, yeah, I would have wouldn't have probably gone back to the old... 2d games or even picked up sonic right. mania when that came out a couple of years ago because i wouldn't have a, a touchstone with the franchise yeah and even like i was looking this up uh, just because i remember this whole sonic cycle thing like especially when we were in high school because we were that that was like the late 20 the late 2000s when sonic was really in uh, dire straits with like sonic 06 sonic colors i think was pretty good but i remember sonic being like a meme when we were in high school and there was what was known as the sonic cycle and uh, this was according to know your meme which is a website i very rarely visit but uh basically it's four steps where number one (laughs) new info release of a sonic game people say it's going to be sonic's comeback step two more or less hype is generated as info, <laughs> screens, video, etc. are released. Step three, game comes out. It ends up like mediocre sh- People say nothing can save Sonic. Step four, <laughs> go back to step one. And that's basically the cycle of Sonic. And like the hype, the hype continues. And even right now, as we're recording this, we're looking forward to Sonic uh, Frontiers. Is that what that new one is called? And like, it looks mm-hmm. like it's going to be good. Like as an outside Sonic fan, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it. Like I've seen very little of it, but it's like, it looks like it could be okay. I mean, Sega's made some okay games in the last few years. Like, Sonic Mania was very good. I remember everybody loved that one. Like, who knows? Like, we could be looking at another Sonic cycle for the next five to ten years before we get another Sonic Mania game. I think Sonic just belongs in the 2D space, it seems like, these days. Or he belongs in movies. Uh, and are you going to watch Sonic uh, the Hedgehog 2, Ramon? I haven't seen the first one, but everyone recommended it, so I might actually check it out. I'm not a Sonic fan, and I highly recommend the Sonic movie. I loved it. Uh, I I don't know. I've never played any of these games from start to finish, but I had a good time with it. I saw it for free. I didn't go to the movies. I it was on Netflix, or I got it from the library or something. But uh, it's a fun movie. I definitely recommend it. Okay, I'll check it out. The only reason why I didn't check it out is because one of my friends did the effects for it, and I don't want to support. (laughs) (laughs) And because Big the Cat isn't in it, and Big the Cat isn't in it, yeah. I I I respect not wanting to support people. I I definitely respect (laughs) that. So. Well, Ramon, we've had a lovely time having you on today. We always appreciate you coming on as enemy of the pod and, you know, sometimes filling in for Neil when uh, he gets too upset about things. (laughs) I'm always glad to fill in. (laughs) And talk about mobile games. I'm sure there's Sonic mobile games. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Right on, dude. Well, thank you so much for coming on and filling my my seat for the 10 seconds that I was was out of the studio. Anytime. Thanks, you guys. Take care, buddy. See you later. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Ramon, for coming on today, filling in Neil's shoes. Of course, big, big task to do and uh, doing a great job, I think. <laughs> he does. He does do a really good job when I have my little uh, temper tantrums there. I need to I need to get that under control, Mike. I don't know. I don't know what comes over me. It's uh, my love for Pikmin and my hate for Sonic really just get me out onto the street to, to protest. <laughs> it's OK, Neil. I, I understand. I, I understand that. You know, I, I might have one or two myself in uh, mm. the, the oh. coming episodes later in the year. So I'll stick around for that. <laughs> oh, I look forward to it. I'm interested to know what those games are. Uh, I, I really just want to be sold on this series. I feel like 
like I've been trying so hard for 20 years, and I really just never get around to playing any of these games. I have no excuse, but uh, we have a, another caller joining us today, Mike, who is a, a huge Sonic fan, so I'm hoping that uh, that he can maybe sway me towards a, a, a Sonic game that I might uh, like to pick up someday. So why don't we welcome that caller onto the show right now? That's right, Neil. To continue talking about Sonic at GameCube Galaxy, Marcello, he's been on before. He is uh, just a wealth of knowledge about the GameCube, like we do, but he has video forms of it instead. Just released an episode uh, featuring every game compilation for the GameCube, uh, which includes, of course, some Sonic collections that were on the GameCube. So, uh, Marcello, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again, guys. Always great to be back. Yeah, of course. We're, We're always happy to have you. And our first question for you is... Who is your favorite Sonic character? This might sound boring and simple, but um, I'm going to stick with Sonic. Is okay, honestly, yep. I mean, growing up with the original and the Sega Genesis, and then over the years, I mean, that was always my go-to character. But I would say Knuckles is a set, is a runner-up. I love Knuckles, mm. just you know, punching through everything. And <laughs> and and was did you choose Team Sonic when you played Sonic Heroes? I did. I completed all four teams storylines, but the first nice. one I started with was Team Sonic. Yeah, and that's kind of the way to do it. I uh, I also was mostly Team Sonic because I liked Tails and Knuckles being with me. Um, I'm a big Big the Cat fan because I think he's just stupid <laughs> and ridiculous. <laughs> and sometimes I would play as Vector, but uh, Ch- Charmy's the B, right? Yes, Charmy's the B. Charmy is yeah. so annoying in Sonic Heroes that I could not stand being on that team. <laughs> And Marcello, when you played through the game with all four teams, did you complete every level? Did you get the highest ranking? I believe A is the highest ranking, right? Did you complete everything at that level? I did not. Um, compared to all the Sonic, mm. the mainline Sonic games on the GameCube, Sonic Heroes was the one that I had the least um, drive to try to complete 100% in terms of A ranks or all the emblems. I just... By the time I beat that game, I was so happy to put that game back in the box and never pull it out again, (laughs) all the way until I covered it in my every Sonic GameCube game episode uh, about a month or two ago. Perfect. So this is fresh in your mind then. So uh, I I talked earlier with one of our guests how I actually really like Sonic Heroes because for me, Sonic Heroes was my intro almost to the Sonic franchise. I, of course, knew that Sonic existed, Mm -hmm. but I never had any Sega console, so I never really played uh, Sonic, and I didn't get Adventure or uh, Adventure Battle 2 uh, for the GameCube, so Heroes was my first entry. And so I love it, but clearly you are not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I've been very much vocal about Sonic Heroes, whether it was in my top 10 disappointing games in the GameCube episode um, as well as wow. um, my every Sonic GameCube game episode, several times I've mentioned about why I have a very big dislike of the game. Uh, I don't hate it, but it's by far my least favorite Sonic game for the GameCube. Now, you say disappointing. That's a key word there, because that's something else that I've seen. Uh, I'm sure you've seen. There's a lot of just polarizing reviews about this game. You'll see people talk about how it's one of their most nostalgic games that they've played, uh, like the 3D Sonic nostalgia, I should say. And you have other people who definitely use that word disappointing, the most disappointing Sonic game. So why, in your mind, is Sonic Heroes disappointing? So a variety of factors. Coming off of Sonic Adventure DX and Sonic Adventure 2 Battle for the GameCube, those two games alone were very content-rich. Um, you mm-hmm. felt like if you bought a game for $50 back then that you got a massive experience usually, if you, if you know, depending on what game was coming out, and those games in particular did. When Sonic Heroes 
and actually, even before I get to Sonic Heroes, but those games also had fantastic campaigns, in my opinion. Outside of Big the Cat and the first Sonic Adventure, as much as <laughs> as laughably doofy as he is, mechanically it wasn't that fun. Um, but that being said, aside from that, those fir- the first two adventure games were very engrossing for me. They have a lot of memorable moments. When Sonic mm-hmm. Heroes came out and I finally got my hands on it, I was excited because I heard a lot of it was going back to its roots in terms of, of in terms of environmental designs and you know no human like characters and things of that nature, and, and then once I finally started playing it, at first I'm like okay it's it's okay so far you know I'll keep sticking with it see how if I like it more, the more I played it the more all of its flaws started just kind of co- like just coming to light. Um, for me personally, I felt like levels were far too long compared to uh, the previous games, and they just they kind of just dragged on for longer than they needed to. Sure. Level design was very sloppy. Lots of cheap deaths with cheap falls, more so than the first two, than Adventure One and Two. Um, the character models, like I pointed this out in my Sonic episode, but they look like kind of squashed, and that's on the four by three ratio setting. They look mm. kind of like smushed it's weird i think i highlight that in the video to like really yeah. show what i mean um especially compared to adventure one and adventure two where they actually have like a, a cool like a nicer design to them and then content wise i felt like it wasn't there there was nothing that made me want to keep coming back to play that game and instead it became a game where every time i completed a level 15 minutes later which might not sound long but when, it's long it's in, in long sonic for, time yeah it's like okay <laughs> yeah. these levels just overstayed their welcome way too long and it felt like more of a chore for me to play than any enjoyment that i would get out of it right because sonic is kind of like it's like a mix of racing and platforming and when you play a racing game that goes on for 15 minutes in between like grand prix like if a mario kart grand prix or like three laps took 15 minutes i don't think mario kart would be as popular as it <laughs> is today like it just good point you just you need a break and you, your eyes need a rest especially playing a sonic game where everything is so fast um for me whenever i see i'm glad that you pointed this out like whenever i see a sonic game i just feel like it yes it looks fun like it's doing what video games should do oh my gosh, this game looks like fun. Wow. But like, it just like graphically always looks cheap. I don't know what it is about Sonic games, but like it always looks just a little bit unpolished. The cutscenes always look pretty decent. That That's one thing that I can say. Mm-hmm. Usually look okay. But then like once you get to the actual gameplay, like if your character gets hit, there's constant like there's flicker effects and like the, the, the frame rate dips so much. And usually the, the dialogue doesn't match up with what they're doing sometimes or it's just off. Like it, it's very cheesy over the top acting. It's just all of these things just combine to a point where like I can't tell if anybody that likes Sonic games is just trying to mess with me. <laughs> or if they actually believe that these games are good. Like, I feel like that I'm the only one who doesn't like these games and everyone else is just, like, trying to screw with me half the time. And, and you know what it is about Sonic Heroes? It, it falls into this category of... It, it's This is a, a controversial topic, but this is something I've sure. brought up to a couple of people. Sure. And that's the question of what makes a game worse? Something that's mediocre and forgettable? Or something that's so bad that even though it, it's an awful game, you're going to remember it for its faults. So mm-hmm. which one's a more enjoyable game? I could sit here and actually say that Sonic Heroes lands into that. It's mediocre, but it's so forgettable. It's not that it does things bad. It just doesn't do anything great. I'd rather play, and I'm probably going to lose followers for saying this one. I'd rather play <laughs> Sonic 06 to its entirety wow. than play wow. through Sonic Heroes again. 
<laughs> that wow. those are those that's a bold statement because because that is a horrible game <laughs> oh it is it's considered the worst amongst most gamers too like everybody every even sonic fans i think can all unanimously agree that that is the bottom of the barrel of the sonic franchise that's those those are fighting words right well, there. there is sonic boom on the wii u also that's, that's oh, like yes, right true. there with it at least with sonic 06 i'll say it had a fantastic soundtrack and that was the only redeeming quality that kept me coming back sonic heroes a soundtrack for example is okay but it just doesn't hit anything memorable and that that's my kind of key thing is music is a big part of a game it's a big part of the experience mm-hmm. if you have a weak soundtrack that's another factor that would make it less of an inclination for me to return to it see i, I love the soundtrack in sonic heroes but again i think mm-hmm. the 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 difference difference here is if you grew up with other sonic games if you played other sonic games and you go to heroes i definitely understand why you would really not like this game why it would feel so mediocre and forgettable mm-hmm. where if you're someone like me who gets introduced to the franchise through sonic heroes because that was one of the big things that they were trying to do like that sega was trying to do was to almost do a soft reboot of the franchise so that anyone could come into this game not knowing sonic at all and just immediately get it and start playing it which was me and so that's why uh i love the soundtrack i love the the, the level design it obviously have has lots of flaws but the nostalgia really brings me back into it and i was playing it this week because i was afraid i thought it was going to be really crappy and like just just a bad experience because I, I saw so many bad reviews about it but i still enjoyed myself you know partly from the nostalgia and just remembering playing it at a mcdonald's and then getting it at my house but also just being able to quickly pick it up immediately and just have a fun time playing it so Hey, listen, I, I have no hatred for the game, and I will not tell people what, like, or say what's wrong with them if you like this game. But that's not <laughs> what I would do. I think it's interesting, though. It, it also comes down to, like you said, you saw a lot of polarizing uh, reviews for it, so you expected something worse. But then when you got into it, you're like, oh, it's actually not that bad. I went into Sonic Heroes at the time seeing pretty solid reviews for it, actually. Mm. at the time and i remember it scored higher than like sonic adventure 2 battle and sonic adventure dx at one point mm. from a few sites that i followed at the time or yeah. a few yeah. magazines so when i went into it i went into it with higher expectations because of that and i think that that was what hurt my experience too is that i'm like wow they're really saying it's better than those and i really love those games if i've learned anything about video games in the last like 30 years of life it's uh don't have high expectations because oh. <laughs> you will always it'll always be worse <laughs> but as gamers we're so bad at learning from past mistakes and sonic is like that prime example where <laughs> like i'm gonna i'm just gonna have to compare sonic to mario because that's the way that the world has been designed uh i feel like that mario fans or, or nintendo fans in general do not have the same conversations that sonic fans do about having like mario doesn't have an 06 it doesn't have a rise of lyric like i'm sure some of the spinoff games do but like there's no mainline mario game that anybody can point to and say like we can all agree unanimously that these games are trash and barely work yeah 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 and that's unless marcello unless you can point one out there <laughs> I, was say, I think even hotel mario on the philip cdi is better <laughs> sure is, is still better <laughs> Right, but when you go from Mario 1, 2, 3, World, and then 64, Sunshine, Wii, and then Wii U, like, they're all good games. Like, we don't have this Sonic 06 experience and this cycle of Sonic games being pumped up and then come out and then they're trash and they don't work. Or I think I, I need to sit down and play one of these games from start to finish. Like, Mike, you need to lend me one of your Sonic games that I can play and I can really get, like, a, a full opinion on my own because other than, like, the, the McDonald's toys that I played back in the day and the couple of 2D Sonic games, I really don't have a great experience with 3D Sonic and i think i think sonic is a better 2d franchise personally but that's that's just my opinion 
So, and just to chime in on that, I do agree. Sonic does work better 2D. That formula was nailed really well. If you're going to go with a 3D Sonic, like me personally, I would recommend for the GameCube, easily Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. If you're going to do another 3D one, that's the best one for me alongside that. It would be Sonic Generations on the PS3 and 360. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. That would be probably the next best Sonic experience. That provides both a nice blend of 2D Sonic and 3D Sonic. Well, before we talk about the next 3D Sonic game, mm-hmm. Sonic game in quotes that we're going to be talking about today, Neil, why don't you read the back of the case for Sonic Heroes? All right, sounds good, Mike. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Sonic has returned with his longtime pals, Knuckles and Tails, to defeat the evil Dr. Eggman. Through teamwork, this powerful group of heroes, along with three other newly formed super teams, must dash past, soar over, and bash through the villainous Eggman's forces. In the fight for world domination, which team will you join? Big the cats, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> team Rose. Team Rose. Well, one, uh, one character who was in... Uh, Sonic Heroes, but then died? Spoiler alert. Uh, it's kind of gets all the timelines messy. Is Shadow the Hedgehog, Neil, who did get his own game. That's right, Mike. Shadow the Hedgehog was released on November 14th, 2005, developed by Sega Studios USA, renamed from Sonic Team USA. It's published by Sega, also on PS2 and Xbox. This game rates a 5 out of 10, priced today at around $50. This is, of course, a 3D platformer, much like the other Sonic games that we've talked about. And Marcello, we brought you on today to talk about the Shadow the Hedgehog because you actually prefer this game over Sonic Heroes. Easily. Easily do. Now, what about what about Shadow the Hedgehog is a standout to you? So Shadow the Hedgehog tries to do a few things differently. And as laughable as how gritty the game <laughs> edgy. is, it's edgy. I mean, it was, <laughs> was it, it got that E10 plus rating <laughs> for being so edgy. <laughs> I mean, here you got the opening cutscene. The first shot is Shadow the Hedgehog reloading an MP5 submachine gun. And I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> We've skipped some levels. <laughs> Um, it's almost like a parody of like some of the other like cuter platformers. It's like, oh, what if they went edgy? And Sonic seems like, oh, hold up, hold our beer. We got this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they went really far with that. So Shadow the Hedgehog, it does a couple things differently in the sense of you have to. So when you're playing the game, it is like a traditional platformer or Sonic style platformer with Shadow's abilities. But every mission has you choosing one of three objectives to choose your path. Right. So you could choose either a light side mission, a dark side mission, or a neutral mission. And depending on the path you choose, your your story path will change. And there are, I believe, I said this in my episode, I want to say either eight or ten. ten There's endings. ten endings. Yep. Ten, end, ten endings. Thank you. So there's ten endings. And I, I think there's also one additional for the last storyline when you get all the endings, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I love the idea of the fact that every mission, it's like, okay, I could play it. And it's a different objective that I could choose. And mechanically like i thought it was fine i mean yeah shadow has kung fu moves that are totally useless and have more short range than anything else um and i know people bash the gunplay aspect but i don't know for something about it i was like yeah it's kind of clicking with me i don't know why maybe i think i finally needed that something different to play as a spin-off like i knew going into it it was a spin-off so 
it was kind of like, well, here's Shadow, who's a much edgier character. Sure, run with it. Do do what you want to do, as long as it just is fun to play. And for me, luckily, it ended up being fun enough to play, also in part due to its excellent soundtrack. So sure. here's my issue, though, with that, with the spinoff part, is that I totally agree. You can do whatever you want when you make a spinoff, especially of Shadow the Hedgehog. You can have him throw him in his own universe. You know, he can do whatever. But the the fact that Sonic shows up within seconds of starting the game, <laughs> like that just completely takes me out of it. It's like, okay, you clearly don't have confidence in this game, uh, mm-hmm. Sega. So you're you're being like, okay, well, let's make sure that Sonic is here to, to guide Shadow through the, the hero path, so to speak, because there's, like you said, mm-hmm. the hero path, the kind of villain path, and then just the play this game like a normal Sonic game and collect coins, <laughs> which is uh, kind of hard to do when people are shooting at you all the time. But uh, uh, like that, that was my biggest flaw of the game. Cause if they did just fully dive in and make it just like a complete shadow experience with nothing else around, I think that would have been really cool. Or personally, I would have loved like a shadow, of the hedgehog to be integrated into a Sonic game, almost like ultimate Spider-Man. How there's, you know, Mm -hmm. your Spider-Man missions and then you have your Venom missions. And the Venom missions, you know, just, like, are completely bonkers. Like, you can do whatever you want. You eat children. Like, like as the the tutorial, like, it's it's completely messed up. And that I loved because it was a a great compliment to just kind of the the standard Spider-Man formula. So I would have preferred, like, that's how I would fix Shadow, I think. But the fact that he has his own game and... Like the guns are hard to get over. It's really hard to get over oh, like yeah. a a character like Shadow just holding guns and shooting people. And the fact that there's uh the human characters too. Like there's so many of these just normal human looking people who are animated like yeah, just like any game at the time and then you have Shadow. Uh, that just was so strange to me. It was like playing Mario Odyssey in New Donk City, but like the people were really realistic and and right. that was the entire game. Like I don't know. It's kind of weird to me that they gave Shadow, like, real... They're basically using real-world guns, yeah. aren't they? Like, they're actual, mm-hmm. like, AK-47s, basically, and handguns. Um, it's interesting because, like, a game like 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 Mario was never given guns, but eventually he was in Kingdom Battle, and that was, like, a huge... Mm-hmm. That was a huge concern for Nintendo to give the Mushroom Kingdom weapons, but they went a more cartoony way, and they gave them, like, the Mushroom Kingdom version of guns. Like, they're more like laser beams and space guns, basically. A lot more cartoony. It's interesting that Sonic went with, like, the real-world gun look and only gave it an E10 rating plus, which is, I guess, okay. It's mainly for the mild profanity and cartoon violence. But, yeah, I can can definitely see what Mike is saying. It just it just kind of went to show more like the Sega creative indifferences that were going on at the time. Like with uh, Sonic Heroes comes out, they wanted to branch away from doing Sonic Adventure 2, wanted to introduce new people to the franchise, which they did. They got people like Mike on board. And then they come out with Shadow the Hedgehog, which is a spinoff of a character from Sonic Adventure 2, which is what they were trying to get away from. So it's like very mixed messaging in this era where like they had these adventure games and then this reboot and then this kind of no no we're going back to sonic adventure 2 now and we're making it edgy (laughs) like it's just like and then they brought sonic into the game anyway sonic team has been very interesting with all their sonic games because for every one they get right there's eight more that flop right and it's you know in all seriousness it's a shame because like you said it's like okay they did a soft reboot with sonic heroes because they wanted to go back to basics in the sense of the setting then they go back to when they go to Shadow. It's like, oh, so it's like Sonic Adventure two and one. Like, what what time period is this right. in? It was even like, you know, after for example, I mentioned Sonic Generations earlier. 
And I remember when they finally released that and I played it, I'm like, they nailed it. They finally nailed it. They nailed exactly what a 3D Sonic game needs to be by blending the 2D and 3D aspects. Like everything jived so well. And then everyone after that, like I think there was a, the teaser for Sonic Forces back in the day. And I'm like, oh, cool. This sounds like it's going to be really good. And I'm like, this is going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. And then they introduced later on, like, oh, there's going to be a whole creative character system. And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> just, just stop. Well, yeah, the creative character system like, just was like a meme. It just became a meme instantly. It became a meme. <laughs> Which is, you know, what, what happens when you try and do something like that. But, like, even the, the vehicles and stuff in this game, like, the, I will admit, the motorcycle was fun. That was cool to play, mm-hmm. like, when you're like, driving around a motorcycle with Shadow. I'm like, okay, it's basically like you already are, like, you're rolling around, so this is the same idea. But when I'm driving, like, a realistic convertible, like, why is Sonic driving a Porsche 911, or uh, Shadow driving a Porsche 911 <laughs> in this game? It just, it, that, again, just takes me out of it. Well, that's always been a joke about the Sonic racing games, is, like, why are they in cars? Why aren't they just running? <laughs> They tried it once with Sonic R, and then they're like, well, Sonic is technically the fastest on foot, so <laughs> I guess everybody else just loses by default. That's so true. <laughs> now, this game is interesting because the voice actors that uh, lend their voices to all the characters are the same voice actors for the TV show that was airing at the time. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys watched this show back in the day. Mm-hmm. Sonic X? Sonic yeah. X. Yeah, Sonic X. And I watched – it was a run of a show from about 03 to 06, I believe, was the was the timeline for that show. And I the episode's – are almost all on YouTube, I think. I watched the f- a bit of the first episode. It's a really good show. It was actually a really good show. I definitely agree with you. Like, it's basically an anime, like, really good animation. The voice acting is still cringy to me, but that's fine. The music is high octane. Like, I, I think, I don't know why I didn't watch this show back in the day. Like, it was really cool. Yeah, that, I remember it was, um, it was on, I believe it was actually right after the Ninja Turtles 03 series okay. yeah, that makes sense. so i remember okay. i used to watch those and then watch sonic x right after it <laughs> why not why not no that's really cool i appreciate that they had that kind of cross merchandising going on that's it's pretty neat we don't see that too often especially not anymore that's for sure right what, what i think about this game too is with the cutscene graphics you mentioned that earlier neil how they just i think in sonic heroes as well but this one especially the, the cutscene graphics look really really good like they look polished very nice it actually kind of reminded me of batman dark tomorrow which we talked about a couple weeks ago where Mm. dark tomorrow not a good game but the uh and the graphics in the game itself are meh but the uh cutscenes are like really 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 good so it it was almost strange to see why so much effort was done creating these cutscenes rather than creating better gameplay Right. I actually have a little bit of information about the cutscenes. Sorry, Marcello, were you going to say something there? Oh, no, no. I was just going to agree that, yeah, the cutscenes in both Sonic Heroes and uh, Shadow of the Hedgehog for their CG cutscenes were excellent. Mm -hmm. They were. And I actually have a bit of information on who made the cutscenes because that's something for me that I've always been really confused about. Uh, Like, I love the music for Sonic. I've said that a billion times today already. But I also really uh, really respect the cutscenes in these games because they always look really good. And it feels like that all the, like, 75% of Sonic uh, team budget goes to the cutscenes. And then the other 25% goes to making the games. And the the development team is basically left with, like, two sticks to rub together to develop (laughs) a game. And, like... Like, I just feel like Sonic games don't play super well, but that's for a whole other topic. But the um, the cutscenes were created by Blur Studios, and uh, they have a history of making a lot of video game trailers, uh, title sequences for movies, CG animation. This studio actually pitched uh, the, uh, the original idea for the Bionicle movie back in 03 to Lego, oh, wow. which was eventually turned down. 
Uh, they also made they make a lot of like video game trailers and whatnot. That's kind of where they where they make their bread and butter. Uh, but they uh, made an episode for. Do you guys remember the Netflix series Love, Death, and Robots? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like this animated show. Every episode is made by a different studio. So none of the animation styles are the same, kind of like Black Mirror, except animated. Uh, the, the the themes are always very adult and mature. They made the one, it's the very first episode. Blur Studios made the first episode. It was one to do with a fighting robot, uh, kind of like a futuristic world where you insert your, uh, I guess, your intelligence into a robot to fight. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but basically like you're fighting kind of like that... Uh, Hugh Jackman movie with the the, ro- the fighting robots, Chappie, I think it was called. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of like that. Really cool episode. But, uh, Mike, you'll appreciate this. Blur Studios made the 4D SpongeBob ride at Canada's Wonderland. Oh, my God. <laughs> at Canada's Wonderland, we had this ride. It was a SpongeBob ride, and the seats moved, and it was this whole adventure like you were in a SpongeBob episode. One of the coolest rides, really, at Wonderland for the longest time. But this this studio who make the Sonic cutscenes also uh, animated that movie. That's so cool. I love yeah, that. Yeah, like just a really cool, really cool history about this this studio here. But uh, that's why the cutscenes are so damn good in Sonic games. Perfect. Thank you for answering that question. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that is actually really interesting, though. I find that kind of looking at that backstory of a certain studio being behind other things uh, yeah. really enlightening, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've discovered, honestly, doing this podcast is like how interconnected this world of gaming was at the time. Because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the video games today are just unbelievably more huge of an industry than it was 20 years ago. Uh, 20 years ago, it was still quite a tight knit community of developers and publishers. So, you know, everyone knew each other. Uh, like nowadays it is quite different and they're just, you know, development teams. There's no way you'll ever have a 14 person development team. Like you said earlier, Neil, on a, no, on a right. big game. Uh, now it's like over hundred, 200 at least. Right. So yeah. uh, it just, yeah, it's, it's kind of a little time capsule in that way. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. But uh, going back to Shadow the Hedgehog uh, for a little bit longer here while we have uh, Marcello, uh, I wanted to ask you, Marcello, did you play this game? Because you mentioned that there's branching paths. You can play the game kind of dark or hero or neutral. Did you have a preference for how you played? I didn't. Um, I, I'm trying to remember what I first did, like what I did, because it was, oh my gosh, 16 years ago when I did the yeah. first playthrough, when I first got it. Um <laughs> But I think uh, the first time through, I think I did just a neutral path, and then I did the light, then I did the dark, then I mixed it up to make sure I can get to the proper paths to get uh, all the endings, and then complete it to get the last storyline as well. Um, I didn't really prefer which side to choose, honestly. If if I stuck with neutral, it was usually because I wanted it to feel like a faster game where I wasn't trying to hunt down X amount of items to collect or X amount of enemies to kill. Um, Just get to the Chaos Emerald and Mm -hmm. get to the exit, and okay, fine. Just go as fast as you can. Uh, especially when you build up that meter or one of those, I think it was the light side meter lets you do like almost like a, you fly through the level, a good chunk of the level. If you press the B button, once it fills up, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Which, which kind of like screwed you up depending on what, um, like what path you were trying to go. Exactly. Down. Exactly. So it was like, I get that. I'm like, Oh great. Oh wait, I'm doing this mission. If I do this, <laughs> I have to, I have to like warp back to the beginning or the halfway point to see what I missed. It's like using a chain shop in Mario Kart. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, like you through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did that in Mario games too. I kind of don't like that with like the easy yeah. mode is just, we're just going to fly you through this mission. It's like, that's not fun. <laughs> I don't know why that, that was ever what, why that was ever made a thing, yeah. but 
So the game is now pretty old, I guess, as, as, as games go. It's now 17 years old. We've had like 99 Sonic games since then. Do you think that Shadow the Hedgehog is a good game to go back to now? Or do you think that you just have like rose-tinted glasses to this game back in the day? I, this is one I would probably say is rose-tinted glasses. Um, when I revisited capturing footage for this, also on my Sonic episode, I was like, yeah, okay, like, I have good memories of playing this game, but as I'm playing, I'm like, it's still not a very good game. Like, mm-hmm. it was something that I was able to look past more when I was playing it back in the day because I was actually excited to play it. But I think it's I think it's the soundtrack, yet again, that, like, was the driving factor for, like, okay, there's a lot of faults with the gameplay, but the soundtrack's really good and makes me want to keep getting to the next level to hear what's the next song. And, um, <laughs> I, I, again, that speaks volumes. Sonic Team, you know, if I have to also say their budget definitely goes to their soundtracks their yeah. sound department they definitely oh definitely yeah the, the, the band crush 40 we talked about with uh with our other caller today they made the soundtrack for multiple 3d sonic games and mm-hmm. i think that the band still performs to this day and mike and i were saying like if they ever come to toronto i feel like we have to go hey, listen if they are yeah you definitely have to go uh you know. yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, i'm just gonna be screaming like play sonic heroes the entire time <laughs> oh, i think that that's all they do i believe that they just play sonic songs like that's what they have that's what the fans would be asking for but i unfortunately don't know too much about the band but yeah the music is always a standout in these games like just terrific just pure 2000s like guitar riffs one little uh easter egg for a uh, shadow before we we close it out blue blue falcon and black bull are two bosses in uh, shadow the hedgehog and of course those themes come from the cars in f-zero gx neil which sega helped develop i was gonna say nintendo gave sega the keys no pun intended to develop an f-zero <laughs> game my favorite sega game it, f-zero uh, gx <laughs> it's the best f-zero it, oh, oh it is. So you, you're. We'll, we'll agree on that. We'll definitely agree on that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. is that a contest? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. Like, yeah. Well, Marcello, thank you very much for coming on today. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Shadow, Sonic Heroes, or just Sonic in general before we let you go? Um, I mean, basically, you know, if you guys haven't played either one of those games, the best thing I could say is go into them not ex- having high expectations on either one, mm-hmm. and you'll probably find enjoyment with both if you go into it with pretty standard expectations is what i would say i happened to go into sonic heroes with high expectations i went into shadow with low expectations and right there i ended up having opposite experiences due to that so i would say if you're going to play those games uh definitely go in with just kind of having an open mind on what kind of gameplay mechanics they introduce if you're looking for an edgy mid-2000s game to play, Shadow is definitely your game. <laughs> okay, so so here's here's the question I have for you now, because I, I am not a big Sonic fan. I, I, from an outsider's perspective, like, I'm, I don't want to play these games, but I do want to like try them at some point. Now, is there a Sonic game that I should go into with high expectations and those expectations might get met? Because I feel like it's always go into the Sonic game with low expectations and you might be surprised. Sonic Generations. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Sonic Generations is the game. And then Sonic Mania if you want a really great 2D experience for a modern console. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, I needed that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I felt like it's like, okay, if you go into this game with like, just lower your expectations, you'll have fun. I'm like, I, I, need, I need more to, to be brought in. You know, I need more than that. So thank you. Sonic Generations and Sonic Mania. Love it. Thank you so much. And uh, Marcello, we'll give you this, uh, this time to plug your channel, your great uh, GameCube Galaxy channel. Thank you. So, like, uh, you know, like the guys are saying, I have a channel called GameCube Galaxy on YouTube. I try to post a video uh, every other Sunday. 
So today I just released, or this past Sunday, I just released a video discussing every game compilation for the GameCube. It was a topic I've been cool. wanting to cover for over a year now. So uh, definitely head over and check that out because the GameCube actually had a good amount of uh, retro gaming compilations. But yeah, if you guys love the GameCube, I try to provide quality video content for the channel and try to do the GameCube justice because that's a console that really deserves to have more justice brought to it. And luckily, even the guys here at uh, the GameCube Was Cool podcast is doing just exactly that. Oh, sweet. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> yeah. What uh, <laughs> I have a question, though, for the what, what would be your favorite uh, collection on the GameCube, do you think? My favorite collection, it would probably be a tie between the Mega Man X collection and actually Midway Arcade Treasures 3. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's a really good one. I really because like that one. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Hydro Thunder, Rush 2049, um, and I mentioned those in the video. But there's one more game on there that I have fond memories of, and it's one of those, it's so bad, it's good <laughs> games on there, and that's uh, Race Driving. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but you have to see the video. If you haven't seen it, you have to see why there's a reason, okay. why I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go check that out right after we're done recording. I don't awesome. have any compilation games, I don't think, on GameCube. I'm not a huge compilation fan. I gave them so, away, yeah. uh, you know, as yeah. you do when you're a kid because you get them, you play the compilation games, but then you're like, well, I'm going to trade this in now because I want to buy Wii games. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was kind of sad about that. But uh, yeah, once again, thank you very much, Marcello, at GameCube Galaxy for coming on today. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you back on real soon. Sounds good. Thank you guys as always for having me on. Of course. Right. Take care, man. All right, you too. See you later. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Marcello, for coming on today, sharing your thoughts. And I love, actually, when we do have disagreements with our guests, Neil. Mm. I like, you know, having a little bit of a banter, a little bit of a, an argument. Yeah. And it's fun, especially Sonic Heroes, because that's something where it really depends on, you know, uh, how you grew up with Sonic, where you came to the, the franchise as well. And, of course, Shadow the Hedgehog, is, it's not a good game. It's objectively not a good game. But if you do have low expectations, which Marcella did, then... Uh, you know, it's going to be a fun game to play, which is very true. So It's so funny that like you have to ask a Sonic fan, much like how I said at the beginning of the episode about being a Weezer fan, you need to ask, like, well, where did you start with the franchise? Like, where did you start with the yeah. band? Like, this is where the similarities all come into play. And I was not expecting Marcello to be a Shadow the Hedgehog supporter. I was really thinking that he would be a Heroes fan and maybe liked Shadow the Hedgehog. But I'm glad to hear that none of these games uh, ruined his opinion on the franchise. It sounds like that he's still a, a longtime fan and... Uh, just a really nice guy, I need to say right now. Just a really fun guy to talk to about video games. Super chill, very knowledgeable. And uh, I always appreciate whenever anybody comes onto the show. And uh, Marcello and Ramon today, thank you so much for coming on. Because if this was just Mike and I talking, I feel like it would just be Mike and I bickering about <laughs> Sonic back and forth for an hour and a half. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be enjoyable to listen to. That's why we like no, to try no. and have uh, good guests on who know the games quite well. And especially Marcello GameCube Galaxy you know, he has a fantastic channel on YouTube, like he says, where he does deep dives into uh, the world of GameCube. Glad, I'm glad to know that someone's making videos yeah, dedicated to GameCube. Yeah, I don't want to do that. No, I, <laughs> and I can't, I can't podcast and video. I got to do one or the other. So I'm glad that no. we're podcasting and he's videoing. Exactly. We, we, we complete each other. We make Together, we make some kind of weird GameCube network. That's right. So, <laughs> so that's really cool. But Mike, let's head into our closing statements. But before we do, it's very important that I read the back of the case for Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, let's hear, let's hear how edgy this back of the case is. Okay, we'll do. Oh, man, this is brutal. <laughs> Hero or villain? Uncover the truth about Sonic's arch rival, Shadow <sighs> the Hedgehog. 
to destroy or protect. Shadow the Hedgehog carries a dark past that is shrouded in mystery. Embark on a journey to unveil his true identity. The way you play the game will determine the outcome of Shadow's future. We got guns. We got motorcycles. We got dark storm clouds all the time. We got aliens <laughs> and also minor cursing. Welcome to Shadow the Hedgehog. Also, Neil, uh, I wanted to mention uh, you played Detroit Become Human, right? I played the opening bit and then I stopped. I'm not a huge fan of the um, it's the David Cage style of gameplay, right? Sure. The, uh, yeah. Heavy Rain. I love Until Dawn. I'm really looking forward to the new Corey game. I like those survival horror games, but no, I, I couldn't really... Not really my thing. I'm not like I know it was meant to be like a Blade Runner kind of game, but that's also not my favorite franchise of all time. So the the subject matter of that didn't really capture me. But why did Shadow the Hedgehog bring up uh, Detroit Become Human for you? Because they're the same game. No, <laughs> they um <laughs> the one thing I thought about with the the paths you see, you kind of see a a mm. branching path uh map, I guess you could call it. Uh, every time you complete something, and that's probably the worst part about Shadow the Hedgehog. We didn't touch on that much, but the fact that you know the gameplay itself is maybe an hour and a half, two hours. To actually, uh, to actually complete, you know, one of your uh, one of your endings, and you know, you do this ten times basically. So you're constantly going back every time to just complete this, and uh, you see this kind of big branching map that shows where all the endings are. Like, have you done, you know, these things to get the good? Have you done these things to get the neutral? And that's very similar to how Detroit became becomes human um does it as well so i just as soon as i saw that map i was like oh this is like detroit kind of <laughs> it's like detroit I, i'm sure that i'm sure that david cage loves his game to be compared to shadow the hedgehog where like, i don't think that the endings in shadow the hedgehog are nearly as impactful as what he had to set up with the branching butterfly effects for every little decision that you make shadow the hedgehog is a bit more uh simple than that but still like a game in the 2000s like we didn't have many gamecube games that had 10 endings as simple as they no. were like it still is a pretty decent accomplishment for a game to uh to include uh they didn't need it but they did it nonetheless i think three endings would have been just fine a normal ending a hero ending and a dark ending don't know why they needed eight more but here we are mike let's move on to our closing segments here so uh, let's start with our regular one are there any games that we talked about today that you recommend the folks pick up well you know this will be uh finally we'll get a divisive uh, time here neil with recommending games i recommend Mm -hmm. sonic heroes i think it's a fun experience get it on the gamecube the ps2 version is not good uh and it's an enjoyable time or if you really want to just get double dash get (laughs) get double dash (laughs) get the bonus disc you can play two full levels of sonic heroes and uh, you get the same experience so (laughs) i mean i'm hearing from you that sonic makes a better demo game than a fully licensed game honestly yes (laughs) (laughs) i recommend you know what? I still can't recommend a Sonic game. I refuse to recommend anybody out there pick up a Sonic game. I'm going to just stick with that for today. For the first time ever. Or I'm sure I've said it before that I don't recommend a game. So, Mike, let's talk about the future of Sonic games on Nintendo hardware. Uh, I personally think that every single Sonic game for the rest of time will be on a Nintendo product. But uh, where do you see the, the franchise going forward? That's a good question. Uh, because this is a more open-ended one than we've talked about mm-hmm. in the last couple months almost uh we usually have pretty like standard this is what's going to happen but with sonic it's hard to say where they go because honestly i think a lot of their time and money is going to be put into the movies and the tv shows and the spinoffs and everything like i think this is where sonic is going to be living for the foreseeable future and i think frontiers which will come out obviously uh that uh will be an interesting game i personally don't think it's going to be good uh, I think it's just too close to Breath of the Wild, and it just, like, I don't know, it just it doesn't seem like what we really need for Sonic, but I, I could be 
I could be proven wrong. Uh, so we'll get Frontiers on the Switch. And then after that, I predict a some kind of Sonic collection, whether it be like a Mania 2 or maybe bring back the Gems collection in some way for the Switch. I, I definitely see Sonic collections becoming a thing in the next couple of years, but I don't see them making a brand new Sonic game after Frontiers for the foreseeable future. That's a good point. I, I think that like an Adventures uh, collection would be really cool. Like Sonic Adventures 1 and 2, some kind of like a dual pack on yeah. Switch would be really fun. I think that that could do insanely well because anybody that grew up with those games like you and Marcello back in the day are now... We have adult money now, so we can spend it. I feel like that we talk way too much. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I feel like that we talk way too much about ports and remakes on Switch. It makes it a little bit boring. But uh, the Sonic spinoffs are definitely going to continue. We didn't even talk about the mobile Sonic games. Those are oh, true, those yeah. are crazy yeah. popular, or at least they come out quite a bit, so there must be a lot of people playing them. Uh, we'll see another Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games in uh, in a couple of years, I suppose. So th- those will continue to come out. Yeah, I think that we're going to keep getting the same Sonic spinoffs. Um, I think Frontiers has a, a potential to do very well i think that comparing it to breath of the wild is not a negative like that new kirby game that just came out is being heavily compared to like the mario odyssey of kirby Mm -hmm. and that's helping it like i think that if you tie a game to the breath of the wild of this franchise i don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing for a game like sonic that kind of needs that anchor to hang on to like if a game that was already great like if like if someone said like this is like the mario odyssey of the last of us i'd be like what the hell does that mean those are two (laughs) those are two great games but like if you take a franchise that's quite honestly been floundering for the last 20 years and give it something that that's very successful i think that that's that's only a good thing but i i would love to see or i'd be very interested now to see a future where a sonic game does not come out on an nintendo console like sega splits from nintendo and this partnership for whatever reason ends like for the same reason how like playstation came out of nintendo's uh poor relationship management with them like with so with sony mm-hmm. i would love to see something happen between nintendo nintendo and sega that makes this whole new rift in the video game uh the video game market again i think that would be super interesting because at this point sega and sonic have been on nintendo consoles for longer than sega was on sega consoles yes that's very true i'd never even thought about it that way yeah. but you're you're absolutely right And yeah, it will be interesting because, you know, these first Sonic games, 3D Sonic games that were initially for Dreamcast, and then were made specifically for the GameCube. Mm -hmm. You know, Heroes was developed for all consoles, but was best on GameCube. And then, of course, the Adventure Games made specifically for GameCube in terms of how they were developed uh, from uh, from Dreamcast. So that was interesting that that early you know, era of Sonic 3D was, was, uh, was GameCube exclusive in a way, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how they thought about it. And then, yeah, what, what will happen in the future? Will this, will Sonic move to more graphically compatible systems? Cause that was the whole point of Sonic originally was to show yeah. off the uh, the uh, a system's power, which Nintendo always has the least powerful system. Right. So uh, it's a it's an interesting thing to talk about and to discuss, and there's no right answer. Uh, but I think one thing we know for sure is that they will be making the movies for a long time, and that's where their focus will be. I appreciate that. I actually really like the Sonic movies, and uh, I, I can't wait to check out the new one. Uh, I won't watch it in theaters, but uh, maybe we'll review it on this podcast someday. We'll have to find out. So, Mike, with that, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week? on the GameCube Was Cool podcast. Next week, we are away for the GameCube Was Cool podcast. We're hanging out with the Easter Bunny. And uh, for that, we will be talking about Easter eggs in gaming in general. Of course, we'll be talking about a couple Easter eggs on the GameCube specifically. But uh, we'll just, yeah, have a have a good time talking about Easter eggs and uh, ragging on the Easter Bunny. 
Yeah, we are. We're going to do a quick review and recap on the Easter Bunny's lore, what he's all about. I'm really excited to talk to you about that. And then Easter eggs and like hidden references, hidden secrets, maybe some secrets that were actually false. Who knows? We're really excited to talk about all of those secrets that video games have within them next week to celebrate Easter while we take a week off. And then we'll be returning the week after that with our regular content. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 92 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a five star rating and a review so we can make the show better spotify currently has more ratings than apple so apple listeners step your game up leave us a rating please you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the gamecube is cool all patrons get the show ad free and a little early thank you so much to everyone over there you can follow us on instagram twitter or facebook we are at the gamecube pod join our weekly conversation on our discord channel the gamecube was cool share us with your friends and family tell shadow mike says hi Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. I'm not saying hi to Shadow. Yeah, no, screw I'll that. I'll say hi to Big Big the Cat. I'll, I'll kick Shadow while he's lying on the street if I have to. <laughs> see you later. Bye bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. Honestly, though, if Shadow was homeless, like I wouldn't give him change. <laughs> that's fair who would you give change to of the sonic characters of tails? the sonic characters no. i think tails has you know he's he's yeah. got the eyes he's like come on he's cute i definitely give it to tails yeah. i guess i give him a i give him a quarter a nice a nice canadian penny been discontinued nice